How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Hey there, Disney Files. Thanks for tuning in. Just a little warning that whilst we like to keep things bright and light here at Dissecting Disney Ditties, occasionally we do drop in a bad word or two. So if you're listening at home or in the car with the kidlets, you might want to listen to this later. Enjoy. We'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we meet to record today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay our respects to elders past and present. Welcome to Dissecting Disney Ditties. Keep your hands and arms inside the carpet. But on this show, we'll be breaking each Disney classic down. Hello, hello, and welcome to Dissecting Disney Ditties with Stackers and Will. I'm Stackers. And I'm Will, and on the show we'll be breaking down each Disney classic song by song in an attempt to answer the impossible question. What is the best Disney song? I don't know. Probably uh, not going to be Danny DeVito's song in this movie. <laughs> Probably not. My God. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of tonal problems. Um... <laughs> yeah, jeez. Uh, look, before we start on that savagery, how you been, Stackers? I've been really well. I've been yep. uh, to New Zealand and back. I have opened and closed a production of The Wizard of Oz. And uh, yesterday was my first Full day off in four weeks. So wow. I'm feeling very refreshed. How oh, are you? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, you know, a lot's been happening. I'm, I'm tired, but I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Things have been, uh, things have been, you know, just kicking on, kicking on. How was New Zealand? Did you, did you go to Hobbiton? I did. Yes. Um, it was the only day it rained in the whole oh. two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's something there'd be something kind of charming about that sort of uh, landscape in the rain. I think, or was it like rain where you're like, no, I just want to get out of here. Oh no, it was just drizzly. Like I, I ended up ditching the umbrella because, it, like, it was fine with just a mm. jacket and a hood. But um, what was really um special and unintentional was I had moved our booking from one p.m. to three p.m. just because yeah. we had a huge day the day before and we wanted to sleep in and because of that it meant that by the time we were leaving the sun was going down and all the lights turned on in Hobbiton oh lovely and it was so pretty and so magical and I just strongly recommend anyone going to book one of the later tours so you can see it apparently you can book night tours but just to be able to see all the little lights on in front of the houses and things was really special so yeah that was really cool that's lovely. Yeah. Did you uh, eat any potatoes? No potatoes. Uh, oh. I did have a a cider at. Uh, oh yeah. What do they call? It? Is it the Prancing Pony? Yeah. Yep. Not Lord of the Rings. Oh uh, no, it is. It, yeah, Lord of the Rings. Sorry. Yeah. If I want to, if we want to get technical, the Prancing Pony is not in Hobbiton, but it is in the Fellowship of the Ring. It's the <laughs> the one where they meet Aragorn. So yeah. Yeah. Well, it's in yeah. Hobbiton now. Okay. So. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I had a, a cider there that was 
rather unpleasant, I must say. Oh, but, okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that was that definitely one of the one of the highlights of the trip. So we don't recommend the prancing pony uh, for ciders. No, but I would no. strongly recommend it for a party if you lived over there. Oh, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Imagine being a relative of the guy that owns it. You just have all your parties there. It'd be so cool. That would be sick. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But uh, we're not here to dissect famous New Zealand tourist attractions. No, as fun as, fun <laughs> as that would be. <laughs> we're here to talk about Hercules. Hercules. I can't hear this uh, the the name Hercules without thinking of um, the Nutty Professor. Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. Hercules. <laughs> He's my little Hercules. <laughs> Remember when Eddie Murphy was good? Well, I just uh, it's funny because I was actually listening to a film podcast today, and they were talking about coming to America. And mm. they were talking about, remember when Eddie Murphy was yeah, good? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not that I think the Nutty Professor is like the height of Eddie Murphy's goodness, but it is a time, ta- like it was on the tail end of it there. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. when he was just kind of anything that had his name on it was a big deal. Mm. Did he do a, a Disney? Yeah, he did. He did Mulan. He's in. He's the voice of Mushu he's in Mushu. Mulan. He's Mushu, yeah. yeah so I was about be, to say, he's in Shrek. No, yeah. not not Disney. <laughs> Very much anti-Disney, although now owned by Disney, weirdly enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good times. For, for initial thoughts on this movie, Stackers? This, this movie holds a very, very special place in my heart. One, because I've always loved the muses in this, mm. but more so because I remember watching this quite early on in my relationship with Tim, but then the thing that holds a special place in my heart is when I was really unwell, and I think it might have been when I got COVID, I'm not sure, but it was around that time, I remember, I was just dying on the couch mm. and I kind of opened my eyes and I saw Tim had put Hercules on the TV for me to <laughs> cheer me up. And now when I think about it, I'm just like, oh, he did this to make me smile. So watching it again, though, I, I'm starting to realise I don't actually think this is a good movie. I just think the muses are amazing. Yeah. If you take them out, this is a pretty mediocre movie. Mm. That's no, my I, thought. Anyway. Yeah, I feel like this movie has a bit of a prestige around it um, because it, at least in my sort of immediate circles and I don't know if you've experienced this as well but when we talk about Disney particularly Disney that is translated to stage it feels like this is one that everyone goes to where they're like oh Hercules that'd make an amazing musical like you know it's uh Mm. that should be that should be transformed into a musical and and it feels like that conversation happens every now and then um in terms of the movie itself I feel like this is there's two different movies in here I feel like. And one of the movies is quite good and the other movie is not very good at all. And it it kind of is that the first half is the first movie that is not very good and the second half is the second movie that is kind of good. I I just feel that like this, the first half of this movie just moves so, so fast (laughs) and there's no real moments to sort of take a breath and get to know people and all that sort of stuff. And then in the second half, it almost drags it out too much. So it's quite, it's quite good, but there is still issues with the second half as well. Mm. So that's sort of my sort of initial thoughts, I guess. Yeah. It's not as good as I remember it being. I still enjoyed it, 
but it's definitely not as good as I remember it being. I still think Meg is one of the best female leads mm, mm. across the Disney canon. I, I really like her. She holds her own. Yeah. She's got a really interesting situation she's dealing with and her arc is just generally quite good, whereas Hercules is like he's just really naff. He's got no character flaws. Yeah. He's, he's clumsy. Yeah. Great. He's, mm. he's Bella from Twilight. With yeah. abs. Um, <laughs> it's just, I, I just find his whole story really boring and really naff yeah. and also really confusing because it's kind of his trajectory is I want to know where I belong, but then all of a sudden he becomes a hero and it seems they're trying to shove down this message of when you become a hero, it's a lot to handle. Don't let it get to your head or something. Yet he's like, oh, it doesn't faze me. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a bit much, but whatever. And I'm like, okay, great. There's a great lack of conflict. And mm. then um, and then he falls in love with Meg and that seems to be the, the end point. And I'm like, but wasn't the end point meant to be him finding out where he's meant to be? I don't know. I'm- yeah. <laughs> and then it's also really confusing as to what exactly the uh, qualifications are for becoming a god again. Like, yeah. no one seems to know, like, no one seems to explain it at all. It's like, oh, you got to be a true hero. Okay, what is, what is that? What does that mean? Because he does a lot of really heroic deeds. He saves a lot of people. He does all this stuff. But then yeah. it's not until he uh, seemingly goes to commit suicide for Meg that he becomes a true hero. So yeah. I, it, it's, and that was there never is part confusion. Of, that was never part of the gamut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also Zeus is the king of gods. Like, if anyone's making a criteria for being a god, it's Zeus. So why can't Zeus just be like, well, you know what? You're my son, so So you're a god. You're a god, which is... It must go to, like, a committee panel or something. Which is basically what happened in the actual myth, but... Yeah, right. Also, not to mention the massive, massive plot loophole in that they don't kill Hercules and Hades the gatekeeper of the dead doesn't know for 18 years that Hercules did not come through the gate. Mm, true. Yeah. I'm sorry. Do you not know every <laughs> soul that's left and you didn't notice the one that you're actually after didn't come through? Like, mm, what? Mm. <laughs> did you go on yeah, vacation? <laughs> it feels like he would be sitting at the gates going, <laughs> Nope, 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 nope. Yeah. Oh, there he is. There he is. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that does not make sense. You're right. Yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. And the whole, and then like the fates when they go to cut the cord mm. and they're like, why isn't it cutting? And I'm like, what happened to you being like, we see and know everything before it happens, except mm. that major plot convenience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. The, there's just a lot of things to poke holes in. And I think now that I've seen it like three or four times, I'm like, yeah, there's. The shine's wearing off. I'm like, just bring on the muses. Just bring them back because that's all I I care about, I realise. I think if you watch this uh, isolated from the rest of them, maybe it's it's a bit better, but because we've sort of been watching them all and we've seen what works and what doesn't, maybe it's just that comparison there where we're like, okay, no, that's actually not not as good. Yeah, not to mention he's rather unattractive. Bland bland guy, yeah. Yeah, he's just drawn really... Weirdly, he's got a weird face. It does. the The animation style in this movie is very interesting. I think, and mm. it, it looks really uh, unique 
in terms of a, a Disney in this period. But yeah, there is something about him in particular that doesn't quite work. I think the animation of Hades is incredible. The 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 hair flame is so cool. It's such a cool little uh, character <laughs> detail. Yeah. The animation of uh, Meg is really interesting in that it's sort of like a, an animation of extremes almost. Mm. Yeah, there, there is things to enjoy in this movie. Yeah, I actually really like the animation as a whole. Mm. It's really different. And I'm just looking up, what's the guy's name that did it? So the uh, head animator or who, who did all the character designs was Gerald Scarf, yep. who was the main, I don't know what you call it, illustrator for Pink Floyd. So he did like all their album art. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, he was chosen because someone who worked at Disney saw he did the Time magazine cover of the Beatles, which looks really weird and somehow thought, oh, he'd be cool for something different. And his original character designs, although they look slightly more, I don't want to say macabre, but I guess darker and a little bit twisted than what you see, they're very much, you can say, the link between what he drew and what is in the final film. It's just a slightly more Disneyfied version. But, yeah, yeah, I really like, like, the hair isn't designed to look like real hair. It's got, like, the line. Everything's to do with, mm. like, lines to make detail as opposed yeah. to trying to make realistic detail. And I really like that. Um, I do like Hades CGI hair as well. Mm. I think that's mm. quite cool. Look, just speaking of CGI for a second, uh, something that did not work for me was that uh, – What's the monster, the uh, the one that you cut off its head and it the comes Hydra? back? The Hydra, yeah. The Hydra did not work for me <laughs> at all. For me, it was one entire song that did not work for me, which we'll get to, but I yeah. just went the CGI combined with the hand-drawn thing has never looked more starkingly obvious than yeah. that it's, it's funny because it's, what are we, we're the year after the Hunchback of Notre yeah. Dame and it works really well in that. Really seamless. Uh, and then we've got this, yeah. It feels like maybe in Hunchback because it was more complementary to the animation, it wasn't trying to be anim- like its own sort of – they weren't making entire characters CGI. It was more we'll do this detail CGI yeah. this detail here, uh, whereas here they've, yeah, tried to make entire sequences and entire characters uh, CGI. Yeah, and part of me wonders if it's because like this movie was literally – the last step for Musker and Clements getting Treasure Planet. So if we go back in the timeline, Musker and Clements did The Great Mouse Detective mm. and it was and not overtly successful but was good enough for them to sort of make a good name with Disney. They went to Katzenberg and said, we want Treasure Planet. And he was like, um, oh, no, they said, we've got Little Mermaid and Treasure Planet. And he said, oh, put a pin in Treasure Planet, let's do Little Mermaid. They did Little Mermaid and they said, great, now can we do Treasure Planet? And he said, um... No, let's do Beauty and the Beast. And like, great, if we do that, can we do Treasure Planet? I'll think about it. And so they've done Beauty and the Beast and it's made squillions of dollars and they're like, great, now can we do Treasure Planet? And he's like, hmm, the, you know, the Hunchback of Notre Dame and um, what was before Hunchback? There was one more in between. Uh, that beauty, goofy movie? Pocahontas. Uh, Pocahontas, yeah. You know, I want something that's like super commercially viable and hits all the angles and it's funny and it's clever and it's romantic and it's like all the things, which basically this film is all the things, which makes it a big hot pot mess. Yeah. And then you can do Treasure Planet. And there's a quote somewhere from, I want to say it's Clements, 
that said something like, we would have done anything to get those idiots to give us what we actually wanted. <laughs> so I don't think they – it just doesn't look like there was a lot of care in this film in terms of cohesiveness of story and design mm. as there was in, in the other two. And I think it's just because they were like, we just want to do Treasure Planet. And then they mm, did yeah. Treasure Planet after this and, well, you know, that's a thing. <laughs> I really like Treasure Planet, but I'm wondering if it is like the rose-tinted glasses and if yeah. I revisited it now, would it be as good? But uh, that's uh, that's not a future episode, so we'll see. <laughs> do we have a drink for this episode? Yeah, we do. We do. So, Disney drinks. Disney drinks, y'all. So today we are drinking the Aegean Sea. The Aegean Sea is 30 mils of blue curacao, 30 mils of vodka, and about 100 mils of lemonade, but it, it might differ each individual one. Uh, so what you're going to do is you're going to fill up your cocktail shaker about halfway with ice cubes and add in your blue curacao and the vodka. You're then going to sh- give those a real nice shake. Uh, and then using your cocktail strainer, you're going to pour it into a martini glass. You're then going to top up, not quite all the way, but most of the way with lemonade in the martini glass, making sure that it sort of combines with the, the blue curacao and vodka to, to sort of make it a bit blue. Then what you're going to do is you're going to take about half a cup of thickened cream and you're going to put it into a clean cocktail shaker. So, you know, you rinse out all your cocktail shaker half a cup of thickened cream and two tablespoons, uh, sorry, two teaspoons of sugar. And then you're going to give that a really vigorous shake as well. Just trying to, not trying to whip it completely, but just trying to get it a bit thicker. And then you're going to sort of slowly pour that thickened cream out over the top of the, uh, the, the martini glass. So we're getting this like layered effect of blue underneath and then this white sort of cream sitting on top of it. And then you're going to take one blueberry and plonk it in the middle. And that is the Aegean Sea. I really love the mistake of two tablespoons, I mean, teaspoons of sugar. <laughs> yeah. This is where my head's at, guys. I need all the sugar at the moment. So. <laughs> Let's jump into the stats. The year is 1997. Good year. The movie is Hercules. Okay, film. <laughs> the... <laughs> <laughs> the music is by Alan Menken. Good music. The lyrics are by David Zippel. Yeah. And the score is by Alan Menken. I caught that shade, Will. <laughs> <laughs> righto, righto. I'm, I'm being needlessly sassy. I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> so David Zippel, new to the Disney game, he, well, Music theatre speaking, I think he's most famous for writing the musical City of Angels. Oh, okay. Which is... Complex music. Yeah, really, really complex, fast jazz. Mm. They met, Alan and David met when they collaborated on some random cabaret that Alan Menken wrote and they also wrote Diamonds together, which I'm only familiar with because there's some ballad in it that a lot of 
guys sung at uni when I was studying musical theatre, something about father's approval or something. Anyway, yeah. it's about baseball, musical mm. baseball. Anyway, and uh, and now here they are. And I think it's quite an interesting combination. David Zippel also unfortunately wrote the lyrics for the disaster that was Andrew Lloyd Webber's new Cinderella musical. Call me back, Cinderella, got a rose. I had such high hopes and expectations for that show. Oh, my God. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked School of Rock. And so I was like, oh, coming off that, yeah, maybe maybe he's going to, you know, knock it out of the park. And he did not. <laughs> no, I think it's time to, to hang up the writing tools, honestly. But anyway, <laughs> that's, that's beside the point. So in the cast, we have playing the role of Hercules, Tate Donovan and also Josh Keaton, who plays Hercules when he's younger. And the singing voice is provided by Roger Bart. Playing Phil is Danny DeVito, Hades, James Wood, Woods. There's more than one Wood. It's Woods. Uh-huh. Susan Egan is playing Megara, Rick Torn is playing Zeus. The Muses, oh, my God, we'll get back to them. But in The Muses, we've got Lilius White, Cheryl Freeman, Lashans, Roz Ryan, and I think it's pronounced Venice Y. Thomas. Other names of note we've got in here include Amanda Plummer, Carol Shelley, and Paddy Edwards as the Fates, Paul Schaefer as Hermes, and as always in his final mainstream Disney movie, Jim Cummings as Nessus. Old mate Jim. Yeah, so he this wasn't the end of his career, but after this he just did sequels. Yeah, okay. So this is the last big one. Mm. He's still alive, so touch wood. Touch wood. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, some really interesting names in here and obviously we've got Danny DeVito who is super, super famous and, probably like the draw card for this film. Mm-hmm. Are you a fan of Danny DeVito? I am, generally. Uh, I've never watched It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which everyone seems to speak quite highly of and of, mm. and of his performance in that. But I was a big fan of DeVito in the 90s with like, you know, those um, – Oh, look, we're probably talking about, you know, the 80s here, but when I was growing up in the 90s, big fan of movies like Twins and Junior, mm. you know, those comedies you yeah. did with um, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh Batman Returns is probably one of the still one of the my favorite superhero movies of all times, and he plays the Penguin in that. Um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of Danny DeVito. How about you? Yeah, I am. I am. I think my fondest memory of him in film is Matilda, oh, which of course, yeah. he also directed. I was a really big fan of that when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, like I remember seeing him in Twins and some other movies as well. So yeah, it's, it's kind. Quite nice. I'd say more appropriate casting than some of the other sort of stunt comedian casting we've seen in other films. So mm. I thought it was quite good. Yeah. Susan Egan as Megara. So Susan Egan is the original Broadway belle. Little town, it's a quiet village. Every day like the one before. Oh. Okay, right. Yeah, so she had been auditioning for Disney movies since the animated Beauty and the Beast came out and she didn't get them and she was working on Broadway. She'd been in um, she'd been in like the US tour of Bye Bye Birdie and 
She'd done a few other things and then the Broadway Beauty and the Beast came out and she got the gig. And then when Hercules casting was announced, she wanted to apply and Alan Menken said no Mm. because he explained to her, you know, Megara is a more sort of sassy, dry Disney uh, woman and you are sweet and very bell-like and it, it won't be the right fit for you. And basically she hounded him until he said yes and then gave the audition of her life and landed the role straight away, which I think is quite cool. That's one way to do it. I think right at the end of I won't say I'm in love, just right at the end when it winds down as all female songs do as we kind of discovered last last episode when we were comparing it to Out Out There, you really hear Belle in her voice. She Mm. was, she's really great. That cast recording is really beautiful. So in the muses, we've got Lilius White, Cheryl Freeman, Lashans, Ros Ryan and Venice Y. Thomas. Now Mm. what is so exciting about this, watch me. Broadway nerd the fuck out. I'm watching. Lilius White, Lashans, and Roz Ryan are all members of the original iteration of Dreamgirls on Broadway. Oh, wow. So Lilius White was uh, in the original Broadway cast. She understudied Effie. Uh-huh. And then Lashans and Roz were part of the Dreamgirls cast through the 80s. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's all it's super, super exciting. So Lilius White uh, has won a Tony Award uh, for her role in The Life by Cy Coleman. And she, if you haven't heard that, please look up The Oldest Profession. It's such a banger of a song. I'm getting old for the oldest profession I'm getting too tired and too slow and I am actually obsessed with her in the 2001 Dreamgirls concert revival uh-huh. which they did for like two nights they didn't film it but they did record it there was a cast album of it she's playing effie it's amazing and in that cast we've got lilius white audra mcdonald anika nuni rose heather headley billy porter Ooh. and i'm sure some other people who are just as awesome that i cannot think of off the top of my head but so the just, cast is banging just a couple of small names there yeah, yeah. It's, it's insane. The, the amount of talent in that cast is insane. Oh, my God, I can't hold it together. Anyway, so moving on from Lilius White, uh, who, yeah, is like the lead muse, I guess. We've got Lashans. Lashans uh, has won a Tony as well for playing, what's her name, Seely in the Colour Purple original cast. Yep. Got my eyes, though they don't. Ros Ryan has not run a, won a Tony, but I think she may have been nominated for her performance in like Ain't Misbehaving or something. But fun fact about Lashans, who I'm obsessed with because I just did a production of If Then and she was the original Kate. Oh. Her daughter is Celia Rose Gooding and she was the original Frankie in Jagged Little Pill. Do I stress you out? My sweater's on backwards and inside out and you say hi. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And she was awesome. I happened to have seen that on Broadway. Very exciting. Humble but brag. They set, 
humble, humble brag. <laughs> I was I was in America pre-COVID. Um, <laughs> what, actually, what a time. During COVID. <laughs> what a time. <laughs> but what's super exciting is they hold the record for being the only time that a mother and daughter have been starring on Broadway at the same time. Oh, that's cute. Walt, her daughter was in Jagged Little Pill. Lashans was in A Christmas Carol. That's really cute. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I basically, nerd, nerd, nerd. Oh, my God, this cast. Ah! <laughs> I, I feel like I have to ask, are you, are you okay? You seem very excited <laughs> right now. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> and they let these women have a little bit of input as to what their characters would look like. Mm, okay. And Lilius White said, I just want to be tall and thin. And so that's <laughs> Just this ridiculously tall, thin yeah. muse. Yeah. Okay. It's, um, so, it, it's good that they, like, the, it's, it's good that they've managed to get such good talent for the muses because without the muses, I don't think this movie works. Mm, Cause no, it's, I, yeah, I it's very, it's a very bland sort of film. If you don't have that sort of, uh, that, um, that storytelling trope of, of the muses sort of telling this story. So it's great that they've gone all out and gotten some real talent for that. Yeah. And it's good to see finally we're starting to lean into the Broadway talent because these are mm. essentially, they're musicals, yeah. just animated musicals. And so with them and Susan Egan, um, who was the Broadway belle, you just start to see how much more these people can bring to tell these stories and sing these stories. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it feels like uh, that this is where they sort of do start to step away a little bit from the the stunt casting, I guess. I mean, you've got Danny DeVito and James Woods in this, which is certainly uh, – um, they're certainly two big, you know, name drawers, but um, – mm. hold up a second. Sorry, I've just looked at Tate Donovan – He's, for, he's the, the dad from the OC. Did you ever watch the OC? That means nothing to me. Oh, he was the neighbour's dad. Sorry, I just had a bit of a like, oh, that guy moment. Um, <laughs> so a- apologies. Yeah, what sure. I know okay. of him is he plays Josh in Friends, who's someone that Rachel yes, dates. Yes, yes, And yes. at the time of filming, he was in real life the ex-boyfriend of Jennifer Aniston, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> um, yeah, so, Love me. Love me. So it is interesting that this sort of seems to be a bit of a turning point. It's essentially, in terms of the musicals at least, um, like some of the live action stuff I think has some of that. But um, not live action, sorry, non-musical animateds throughout the 2000s I think has a little bit of that. But, yeah, the musicals, mm. they actually are going for musical talent, which is really nice. Yeah. And also a bit – Something to celebrate and something to go, really? Uh, because it is 1997. These are the first black characters in a Disney movie if you overlook the slaves in Dumbo. Which we should overlook the slaves That were human. Dumbo. That were human, I should <laughs> yeah. say. Because obviously we had the Lion King, but these are human characters. They're the first black characters. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, hu- yeah. yeah, human form, I guess. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, okay, cool. I mean, yeah, it's 97, guys. Let's uh, let's get on it. But um, that's really, really great. A um, couple other big voices. I don't know if you'd finished talking about voices, but a couple other big voices I was excited to hear. Firstly was Wayne Knight as the uh, the shop owner that gets all his pots crushed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was When I was watching that, I was like, who is that? I know that voice. Yeah. Um, have you got in front of you what he's done? Like. Uh, what do you know him from? I know him from Jurassic Park, probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, more, more recently, I know him as um, uh, Newman from Seinfeld, but Seinfeld. that was something that only re- I was really only introduced to during um, the uh, during 
COVID lockdowns because um, I didn't watch that growing up. But I did watch Third Rock from the Sun, which he was on as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's got to be Jurassic Park. Dancing. We got dancing here. <laughs> so, yeah. So excited to hear also, his voice. He was also Stan in Space Jam and Al in Toy Story, the guy that owns the shop. Of course. Where you yeah. find. Is Al's that where toy Buzz? Barn. Yes, of course. Is that where Buzz is or is that where Jesse and the evil cowboy are? Uh, I think barn. it's it's Jesse and the Evil Cowboy. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, such a distinct voice. Absolute distinct voice. And another really distinct voice is Bobcat Goldthwaite, who plays uh is it Panic or uh, uh Pain. He plays Pain, one of uh, Hades' little offsiders. Yeah. Not someone I know a lot about, but he uh has a very distinctive voice in it that he sort of I'm not even going to try and attempt it because I will fail at it. But, um, yeah, very, very distinct voice. He's a comedian. Uh, he was in, like, Police Academy 2. Um, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just another fun voice to have pop up in this film. Yeah, cool. And also Rip Torn, who has probably the best name of any person ever. <laughs> Rip Torn. Rip Torn, yeah. From best, best name ever? Uh, really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Call me, like, uh, you know, Smash Crash or something. But, no, Rip Torn's a, a good second, I think. <laughs> So um, songs that you may recognise from this movie, probably the most famous was Go the Distance, which had an absolute banging pop release by the one and only Michael Bolton. I'll be there someday. I can go the distance. Absolutely. I think that might be an upcoming uh, Patreon episode. If you want to join us over at patreon.com slash dissecting Disney, where you have access to bonus episodes and other fun stuff. One of our ideas was to rate all the pop covers. Uh, Michael Bolton certainly up there. I just want to say the bar has been set. Right? <laughs> the bar has been set. I actually, I went and saw Michael Bolton. I dragged my mum along to see him live in concert when he came to Melbourne yeah. years ago. I was the youngest person in the audience by about 45 years. And I was so excited because the lights went down and we're all screaming. And then I hear, I have a friend. And I was like, oh my God. And he only... He only sung like 30 seconds of it and that was it. Yeah. It went into a different song, but I was living my best life. Another very distinct voice. Like we're talking about these distinct voices. Michael Bolton, you will never mistake him as someone else. Uh, my favourite song. Can we be lovers if we can't be friends? I love him. Uh, my favourite song of his is the one that he does with Lonely Island. Have you seen that? <laughs> <laughs> this is the tale of Captain Jack Sparrow. Dave Jones, Jones Queen. Yeah. I just got done watching those parts of the Caribbean films. It's so good. Now back to the good part. Look it up if you've never heard it, uh, listeners. Come on. Captain Jack. What? Johnny Depp. No. Okay, so Academy Awards. Mm. This is an exciting season. 97, big year. It is a big year. What was the big movie? Oh, big movie of 97. Was it Jerry Maguire? No, it was Lost World Jurassic Park 2, right? Bigger. 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 Shit. Big movie. You'll kick yourself when you went this out. I am going to kick myself. Like big, big movie. Godzilla? I want to say bigger, but yeah, like. I've gone completely blank because I want to go to like Spider-Man, but that's not till two thousand and. One, I think. Well, it's only been uh, uh, like the records it all set were broken by Avatar. 
It's about oh, a big fuck. boat. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's Titanic, of course. It's Titanic! Yeah. Shit. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm a big old dumb head. That is, uh, of course it's Titanic, yeah. Big. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to be quite literal. So basically for this uh, had a nomination, which was um, Distance, obviously, yep. for best song. Yeah. And it lost both the Golden Globe and the Academy Awards and My Heart Will Go On. Of course it did, Because yeah. that, that yeah. movie was everything. But check out what else was up this year. So... The Golden Globes I actually find more exciting than the Academy Awards, but the Academy Awards had My Heart Will Go On, yep. Journey to the Past from Anastasia, Heart Don't Fail Me Now, Ooh. How Do I Live from Con Air, and tell me now, how do I live you? Oh. And Miss Misery from Goodwill Hunting. Those are some big songs, though. They get bigger. Check out the Golden Globes. Okay. You've got My Heart Will Go On, which one? Uh-huh. Journey to the Past from Anastasia. Yeah. Once Upon a December from Anastasia. Someone holds me safe and warm. And arguably, in my opinion, one of the best James Bond themes, Tomorrow Never Dies by Sheryl Crow. Right, okay, yeah. Yeah, Shit. so it lost out in uh, to, you know, to My Heart Will Go On in both categories, but I think that's quite quite a category that year. Yeah, absolutely. And on that topic, why don't we play Where Is Liz Calloway? Oh, let's please. Would you welcome Liz Calloway. Liz Calloway. Liz Calloway. It's Liz Calloway. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Liz Calloway. So... It's 1997 and Liz Calloway has finally given up on Disney. No, that's probably not true. But (laughs) (laughs) Don Bluth has said, fuck this, and is releasing his own Disney-esque princess movie, Anastasia. Mm. From the streets of Russia. Anya! To the lights of Paris. I will see no more girls claiming to be Anastasia. You have to talk to her. Finding the truth. You really are Anastasia. Will be their greatest challenge. Starring the one and only Liz Calloway. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what's hilarious about this, right, is he announced he's doing Anastasia. And Disney was obviously releasing a boy movie, inverted commas, because they had Hercules. So what they did to try and knock it out of the box office game is re-released The Little Mermaid one week prior to Anastasia coming out. Before a young lion became a king, before a beauty tamed a beast, before a Latin unleashed a genie there was a little mermaid who dreamed of something more coming back only to theaters i want to be it's real dirty it's dirty (laughs) tricks oh my god (laughs) 
Yeah. So did it work? A, um, I think Anastasia still did well. Yeah, but not as well as a Disney. Because Anastasia movie. is a great film. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and it's a shame it's not Disney because I'd love to talk about it. Well, technically now I know there'll be people listening going, it is Disney now. Yeah, yeah. It's not part of this canon. Maybe a future season. We'll Yeah, we're not we'll gonna do Rocky it. Horror Picture Show. Like <laughs> Well, never say never, mate. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> not this season yeah. anyway. So that's that's kind of the big the big things of that year. Yeah, right. Because, yeah, I, I was just quickly looking at the the year in film and it, it is a huge year. There's some huge films. There's also some, like, batshit insane films that I remember from my childhood. Like um, Batman and Robin was released this year, which is <laughs> notoriously horrible if anyone has seen it. Uh, Starship Troopers, which I think was my first sort of adult violent film uh, and it, it oh, wow. uh, horrified me and tra- traumatised me and turned me into the lovely person I am today. Um <laughs> Fifth Element, Face Off, like some really big, oh, I love big the fifth films. Element. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Gattaca, the uh, the scourge of Year Ooh. Twelve students in two thousand and four everywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, so big, big film. Yeah, big, big year in film. Yeah. Mm. All right. So, for those of you who have not seen this movie before, uh, here's a quick rundown of what the film's about. So, according to IMDb, <laughs> the son of Zeus and Hera is stripped of his immortality as an infant. Inf- an infant. An infant. <laughs> infant. <laughs> Let's try that again. Is <laughs> stripped of his immortality as an infant and must become a true hero in order to reclaim it. I love that that doesn't even say the word Hercules no. in the entire synopsis. No, no. Um, <laughs> Yeah. What is this movie about? Uh, who knows? It's about Zeus and Hera's son. Okay. Yeah. What's his name? Like, uh, like you're meant to know that because I, as you're about to discover, the mythology, when they say loosely based on the mythology, mm. like loosely underline, underline is the key word there. Yeah. So anyway, going over to Google, they've got a much more um, descriptive synopsis. Yep. <clears throat> Disney tackles Greek mythology in this animated feature. Hercules, a son of gods, was snatched as a baby by Hades and forced to live among mortals as a half-man, half-god. Now a teenager, Hercules needs to perform a rite of passage on Earth to prove himself worthy of living with the gods on Mount Olympus. With his plucky satire... Satire. (laughs) With his plucky satyr sidekick, Philoctetes, along for the ride, Hercules must learn how to use his strength to defeat a series of evil creatures. Um... Not bad. I just want to focus on one small detail there. So they said that he's a teenager. This whole yeah. time I've thought Hercules is like in his 20s. Is he a fucking 14-year-old in this movie? Is that what I'm supposed to believe? Well, I was thrown by that as well because he's a teenager when you – well, not when you meet him as a baby. Yeah. But when he's, you know, knocking crap over, yeah, yeah. he's a teenager. And then I thought we sort of do a Hakuna Matata thing during that awful mm. jazz number. Yeah. And – then he's like 20-something, I thought. Yeah, I think in my head I'm going to keep him as a 14-year-old because then it actually makes his behaviour in some of this a bit more sensible. <laughs> like <it> makes <laughs> Explains why he's so basic. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, he just doesn't know any better. He, he hasn't finished year nine yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. I, I mean, neither of them mentioned Meg. Um, yeah. I guess, you know, not really. See, this is my problem with it. Yeah. Not really the point, yet the crux of the movie mm. That is the point. It's about his love for Meg and sacrificing for an. Yeah. This movie just doesn't know what it's doing. Did you ever watch the TV show, The Legendary Adventures of Hercules from the 90s, that Xena was no. born out of and stuff like that? Oh, the live action yeah. series. Yeah. And they used to be back to back, I think, Hercules and Xena. Yeah, they were for a time. Yeah. Yeah, had Kevin. Something. Uh, Ke- Kevin Conway or something. Yeah, I want to say yeah, that's his I name. Yeah, I did. I loved that as yeah. a kid. I don't really remember it. I really but- loved it too. And so I think a lot of the story beats in the Disney movie are sort of thrown by my love for that as well because that very much went into the whole like from memory um, Hera hated Hercules because as what I'm assuming is going to be part of the original story, um, Hercules wasn't her son. He was Zeus's son. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it's Because Zeus was a slut. Zeus was a big slut. <laughs> 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 Have you read the Mythos by Stephen? Um, uh, oh shit, name's just gone blank. Um, uh, Stephen Fry. Have you read Mythos by Stephen oh. Fry? No. Um, it's basically a retelling of a lot of Greek myth in sort of his sort of witty style, um, and oh. it is really really good. I do really recommend it. Um, but yeah, you. That s- sounds like a great read. Yeah, but you do get this like. Really dark, grim look at like Zeus is a bit of a douchebag. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah. It's it's really good. I do recommend it for anyone out there. Well, that feels like a really good segue into the original synopsis. Like I so, planned it. <laughs> <laughs> what I've done is a little different. I didn't bother reading the many different, you know, iterations of, well. Hercules, inverted commas, story. Instead, what I thought I'd do is actually look at all the characters Mm. and uh, break down, you know, who they were in in actual mythology as opposed to the Disney-fied version. Yeah. So that's what you got. All right. Hercules, Greek name Heracles, Roman name Hercules. So since this movie is set in Greece and Rome doesn't exist yet, it's wrong. (laughs) Yeah, my brother got very uh, stuck on that fact as well. I saw him (laughs) last week and he was like, are you going to talk about the fact that his name's not actually Hercules? (laughs) I was like, it's okay, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. (laughs) He is the son of King of Mount Olympus and ruler of the sky and thunder, Zeus and mother Alcmena, a mortal. Heracles was raised by Amphitryon and Alcmena, who also had a son, Iphicles, half-brother of Heracles. They told him from the get-go that he was the child of Zeus, uh, along with a billion other mortals. (laughs) (laughs) And also, like, horses and stuff. Like, there's a weird thing about Zeus turning himself into a horse. Uh, Yeah. um, (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, basically... Heracles isn't that special. No, no. (laughs) Hera, the goddess of love and marriage, disapproved of the union between his parents because Zeus was a slurt, so sent two snakes to kill him. At eight months old, Heracles snapped their necks. It's interesting that they kept that in, but they just made it from, um, uh, they made them pain and and panic, turning them in. Yeah, and instead of snapping their heads off, he just kind of- Bonked them. You know, (laughs) shot puts them out of there. Yeah. 
Oh, not shot put. What's that? Uh, hammer throw. Uh, hammer yeah. throw, yeah. <laughs> he yeets them, I think, as the kids yeah. say. <laughs> Uh, he struggled with his strength when he was a teen, but he didn't destroy t- towns. And he wasn't hated. The town loved him because he lived on the outskirts and killed any predators or threats to the people. Makes sense, really. Uh, Heracles had to perform a whole string of near-impossible tasks to make up for murdering his whole family, Megara, and their kids after Hera drove him insane. And he made no money. Basically, a lot of what you see him accomplish in the Zero to Hero montage were accomplished by other men. He's also super smart and tactical, not just strong. After he died, the gods made him a god. Okay, cool. Um, Philoctetes, just a friend of Hercules, not a trainer of gods, not a satyr. Satyr? Satyr? Satyr. Satyr. Chiron was the trainer of gods and was a centaur. Pan is just a super... Pan is a super horny satyr. So Philoctetes is kind of all three of those mushed in together. Uh, also, all of the people who let him down that he mentions in the movie, they were Shurans and lots of it doesn't make sense. But I won't bore you with the details, but I will mention he trained Perseus, who was also a son of Zeus. Uh, Pegasus has fuck all to do with Heracles. Base, uh, pretty badass horse. <laughs> Born out of Medusa's neck when her head was chopped off and bounded around, covered in blood, Heracles rode a horse named after uh, named Belrophan. Belrophan. I'm going to struggle with all of these names, and I apologize. I'm, I'm really enjoying this, especially Chiron, which is Chiron. Chiron. I'm just letting it go. Oh, I'm look, letting it go. It's the, it's the 21st century. <laughs> <laughs> Hades, lord of the underworld, but not evil. Just a dude doing his job. Also, he is not the god of fire, so he does not have fire powers. Also, he didn't try to kill Heracles. That was Hera. Also, he always carries a... a bident? Yeah, like a staff. Oh, okay, yep. Um, a bident and wears a helmet of invisibility. Also, he didn't die, or that would be chaos. Heracles... Yeah, so it's kind of like... Imagine, uh, like, in a Christian sense, imagine going, Satan died. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then what? Dead. No, there's no one there <laughs> like to the get the underworld. Um, Just spirits running around everywhere being like, woohoo, we're free. That sounds horrifying. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, Heracles went to the underworld to retrieve the soul of Queen Alcestis, wife of Queen, uh, a wife of King Admet- Admetus. Admet- Admetus. Um, and Hades was so moved by the story Heracles told about the king and queen, he let her go. There was no deal. Yeah, so it's kind of like Orpheus in the underworld. Yeah, okay. Yep, yep. Yeah, so mm. same sort of thing. Orpheus goes to Hades and says, I want Eurydice. And there is a little bit of a deal that's made mm. there with the whole, you know, don't look back or she turns to stone, I think is the original mythology. Uh, don't look back or she's trapped here forever or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's sort of like that. Hercules basically did the same thing except instead of, singing to him like he does in the musical. He's just like, hey, their love is really pure. And Hades like, all right, bye. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Not, really a, not a bad dude. He let a lot of people go, I think. The, the fates. So in the movie, these women cut the thread of life and share an eye. In mythology, the, in mythology, the Moire... Uh, Moray, I'd Moray, say. Uh, three sisters who decide on human fate. One spins it, one measures it, and one cuts it. Uh, the Greyae are sisters who are born as old women. They all share one eyeball and one tooth, which they pass around to each other. Cute. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Very, how attractive. Yeah, yeah. They're also called the grey women, I think, in some, oh, okay. yeah, some right. places. But yeah, they're, so basically the fates are a mush of those two. Right. Yeah, cool. And they still don't really nail that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we nail everything <laughs> except that Hercules is going to become a god. Yep. What an inconvenient oh, no. plot point. Must have fallen asleep <laughs> during that viewing. Uh, <laughs> Megara, Hercules, uh, sorry, Heracles' first wife, whom he eventually murdered by order of Hera. She never sold her soul to Hades because Hades did never buy souls, and she never saved Heracles, nor did she come back to life in some Disney-esque fantasy way. Too bad, so sad. <laughs> Goodbye, Megara. <laughs> the Muses. There were nine Muses. So we have Calliope, the uh, Muse of Eloquence and Epic Poetry. Cleo, the... Uh, oh, Cleo, no! Um, the Muse of History. Euterpe, the Muse of Flutes and Music. Thalia, the the uh, Muse of Comedy and Talia. Idyllic... Talia, the Muse of Comedy and Idyllic Poetry. Melpomene, 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 the Muse of Tragedy, Terpsichore, Terpsichore, Terpsichore. From what you're saying, I can't even work out who that is. Can we just do a normal movie that has normal <laughs> names? Terp, who have you got? Terpsichore. Terp, Talia. Terpsichore, uh, Angie is shouting Terpsichore. at me from the other end. Terpsichore. Uh, Terpsichore. Angie did do Xanadu a number of yeah, years ago. Yeah, I was going to so say, she... the only reason I know how to say these names is because of Xanadu. <laughs> Terpsichore, the muse of dance. Er- Erato, the, the muse of... Erato. Thank you, Angie. <laughs> uh, the muse of love, poetry, and lyric poetry. Philhymnia. Philhymnia. Polyhymnia? Pol- polyhymnia. Fucking <laughs> Jesus. Um, You're copying it from both ears. I am, I am. <laughs> oh, my God. Listeners, help. Um, <laughs> the muse of hymns and sacred poetry. And lastly, Urania, the muse of astronomy. Wow. That I was, really uh, like polyhymnia because poly means many. Hymnia hymns, many hymns. Oh, yeah, yeah, Music, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's I like cool. that. Yeah. Yeah, look, we that got was- through that, team. <laughs> we got through it. Uh, Everybody take a breath. Oh, boy. Okay. So, yeah. Let's so keep going. There are only five in the movie. Yeah. I, I can't really work out why, apart from they didn't want to write nine-part vocal harmonies, maybe. You can imagine, yeah, like, and having to draw nine people, it's just, it takes time. Everyone's tired by this point. It's the late half of the 90s. Menken's like, I can't do that, guys. Yeah. You've got five. All right, five is all I'm going to give you. They also don't really do a good job of establishing what the muses do. Like no. you would think from the movie, they're all just muses of storytelling and music. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's the thing. They All, all they say is that we are the muses. Next up, we have the Hydra, um, which in real life or in the myth was not terrible CGI. Um, <laughs> it had a breath that was so deadly it would kill anyone who breathed it in. So in the movie, when it swallows Hercules, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but also it has nine heads, not three, and if you cut one off, it grows back. Her- uh, Heracles killed it by cutting off all eight of the heads and then burning the stump so they wouldn't grow back, then buried the ninth head under a rock. Okay, it's kind of, I guess, 
like tip of the hat to that in the thing. It does get buried under a rock, but then it comes back to life, I think. Yeah, and every time he cuts it, it sprouts extra heads instead of just yeah. respawning. Right, okay, yeah. I feel like I have heard that myth somewhere, so that's probably just a lost in translation thing. And then lastly, we have Nessus, who, uh, oh, okay, uh, attempted to rape Heracles' second wife, killed mm -hmm. by Heracles, but the Cyclops dies... Uh, he gave his wife a charm that leads to the death of Heracles. So it was the last monster he slew, not the first. Yeah. Um, ba basically, the gospel truth is not. <laughs> nice little, uh, nice little tie-off line at the end there. You're welcome. So yeah, Nessus <laughs> is that first monster he meets when Meg is like, "Oh, help me! No, I don't need you." But yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah, actual yeah. fact, okay. that's the last monster he saw. Who then gave his wife a charm, uh, or yeah. gave him a charm, and then that charm killed killed him. So, Right. Yeah. Okay. F shit. All right. Well, there you go. Some, <laughs> so uh, if you're familiar with the myth and you see that monster like 10 minutes mm. in, you'd be like, wow, this is going to end quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shortest Disney movie ever. You know what? If someone is a uh, Greek mythology expert and they're watching Hercules, I kind of think that they kind of deserve any sort of uh, inconsistencies. You know, just, I don't know. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, do, do you have anything else you wanted to talk about or should we take a quick break and then come back for the songs? Uh, let's come back for the songs. All right. Uh, we'll be back in two minutes, guys. <laughs> Smooth. <laughs> yeah, Smooth fuck. as butter. Hey guys, it's Will here. First up, thank you to everyone who supports us at Patreon. Your support gives us motivation and inspiration. If you want to join them over at Patreon where you can listen to a bunch of bonus episodes, hit head over to Patreon and search for Dissecting Disney Ditties. We also have merch available. Bill, Bill, Bill. What is the best Disney song t-shirts are now available in our Redbubble store. You'll find the link on our Facebook page or just search for us on Redbubble. Last of all, if you enjoyed this podcast, we would really appreciate likes, subscribes, rates and reviews. In order for more people to find us, we need you to make your voices heard. So head to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. And I believe you can also do that on Spotify now. Um, so check that out on Spotify. That's it for now, guys. Let's dive into the songs. Back when the world was new, the planet Earth was down on its luck. And everywhere gigantic brutes called titans ran amok. Not actually true. It was a nasty place. There was a mess wherever you stepped. Where chaos reigned and earthquakes and volcanoes never slept. <laughs> All right. It's a banger. It's a banger. It's full of shit, but it's a yeah. banger. <laughs> I, I really, like, straight up, when this the movie started and you get that, like, uh, almost Little Shop of Horrors-esque voiceover at the start. Oh, it's a long ago. Hero. And then it, I was like, oh, shit, I don't remember it being so boring to start with. But then, like, they come in with a, we'll take it from here. And he's like, you go, girls. I was like, so, oh, that's actually kind of fun, but kind so of naff. Hot. Like, yeah. So hot. So <laughs> hot. Uh, it's a great song. Um, and that's why it gets flat fives. Oh my god! Yeah. What? 
really? Yeah, yeah for, for me at least. I love it. I think it's incredible. Um, I think the music's great. I think the lyrics are really fun. Um, even though it's like it's very sort of storytelling-y, I think that the like there's a lot of fun and clever wordplay in there. Um, the animation, I think, I think the animation generally, and I think we've said it already, so I won't go on too much, but I think the animation in this movie is quite unique and spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um Except for obviously the CGI that doesn't really work, but like the the stylization of the characters is really really cool. Uh, yeah, I, I I think it's uh, absolutely uh, worthy of a flat five. There you go. All right, my scores were four for music, five yep. for lyrics, four for animation, four for contribution, two mm-hmm. for cake. Um, and that's because mm. I know this song now because this happened to be. Uh, was this the opening number? No, but I did perform this as part of my uh, recent cabaret um, about Disney and I was like, I don't know this song. Yeah, yeah. And I know a, a, a few friends of mine have mentioned it, but, like, I know Zero to Hero, but yeah. I've, I this was not one that stuck in my head, so I know it now because I had to learn it. But, yeah, at the time, just nope. passed me by. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I, I think that that's the case for me for parts two and three. Mm-hmm. Because just to, you know, spoil it for the listeners, this is like a multi-part song, so we decided to rate each part separately. Um, parts two and three certainly uh, are not as memorable in terms of cake, um, but, yeah, I think this opening one is just such a bop that it sticks there. For our first-time listeners, what is a cake score? Oh, yes. The cake score is our catchy Kylie earworm score. It's basically a how well does it stick in your brain afterwards. Five to 10 minutes, to five to 10 hours, to five to 10 years. Mm. Oh, dum, I just, dum, oh, it's got the sexiest opening yeah. ever. Like I can't even, oh, that you go girls. I'm like, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so good. Yeah. Something yes. that I think yes, Menken does really well is, um, and, it, and it, I noticed it, I guess, mostly from say Aladdin, but like the opening hooks of his songs are incredible and they're so distinct. Like if you think about um, uh, the, the start of Never Had a Friend Like Me, that wah, 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 yeah. like it's immediately recognisable and noticeable. Even like Prince Ali is that sort of that drumming, that bom, 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 bom. And I think that this does it really well as well, even though it's just essentially what I imagine to be, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, a fairly standard sort of uh, Motowny soul beat that mm. sort of dun, 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 dun. like it's just immediately like, oh no, I know what this song is. Yeah. I feel like it is very similar to something out of Little Shop. Is it Dadu that I'm thinking of? No, that's da da. Um, but it yeah. Kind of, it, I mean, it does have the same sort of vibe, even though the song is completely different. It has the same sort of vibe as the opening song opening from. Opening number. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great yeah. song. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I love I love the vocals in this. I absolutely love it. Mm. Um, but I, I feel like the ebb and flow of it a little bit is what didn't give me five out of five when I think of like that was epic because it kind of just peters out this song. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, yeah, that's all I have to say really about it. No, understood. And I, I think that, the, again, we'll get into it a little bit more with the next two parts, but I think what you mentioned there about it petering out is probably my only real criticism with the songs as a whole, these these three parts as a whole. Mm. Um, but, look, let's get into part two. He ran the underworld But thought the dead were done and unclean 
He was as mean as he was ruthless. Not really. And that's the gospel <laughs> to me. He had a plan to set things up. And that's the That part actually satisfies oh. a lot of what I think I was yeah like that part satisfies me a lot more than I think part 3 does because it sort of has that like deep husky like you ruled the underworld and then oh, it, like but then so she, then good. she goes into that whole like um I can't remember what the line was but the uh, da, 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 like it's just so good yeah. It's so good. That's Roz Ryan, by the way, if you're wondering mm. which movies is singing that. Lilius White leads the first one. Roz yep. Ryan sings this. Oh, my God. This sends chills through my spine. I yeah. love part two. Mm. Part one's mm. a bop. Part two just, like, shakes all of my insides up, which is like it's so yeah. Yeah. it's kind of that's my you go girl moment where they've just said here's the basic melody. Do what you want with it. Yeah. It's such a powerful moment in the um in the movie. And that's why I did not give it flat fives, but I gave it quite a good score. Um, mm, yeah. <laughs> um, so I gave this four and a half for music. So I actually gave this a higher score than the first one. Um just I there's something about the the free nature of it. It's very Mm, like when have mm. they ever allowed uh, a singer to do that in a Disney movie? I don't think they have. No, yet. no, certainly not up until this point. Yeah, so I love it. Um, three for lyrics, three for animation, four for cake, two and a half for contribution because I remembered that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, there was some awesome like whaley one and then when I heard the first one I was like, that wasn't it. I heard number two and went, oh, that was it. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> nope, fair enough. Uh, I gave it five for music and lyrics, uh, five for animation, three for contribution and three for cake. Gee, you um, were on fire with the scores. Am I? Yeah. You Let's, you enjoyed this. You I did. It. I, I did enjoy it. Yeah. Like uh, the music is good. The music is really good uh, mm. across the board. Like except for maybe one song, but we'll get to that. But yeah, like um, <laughs> music is really good, and yeah. I think that a lot of the scores, like I'm all yeah, I'm almost trying to find ways to not give them flat fives. <laughs> Which is a good problem, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Ros Ryan, I looked her up. So aside from her stints on Broadway, she's apparently known for her part in a TV show that was shown in the mid-80s to early 90s called Amen. She oh. played a character, Amelia Heatonbrink, I think. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the credit I see lists her as being in Chicago from 1996 onwards and it doesn't have an end date so I'm really I'm is she still doing Chicago oh my goodness yeah she's set to make history what does this say I uh I see an article from 2016 that says that she's still going strong um uh, but she's in the national tour that time um still doing Mama Morton fuck holy hell that is that is incredible that is, yeah. Oh my God. Bow down. She's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Good for her. Fucking there you go. killing it by the sounds of it. Yeah. Broke the record for the longest running female lead in the 20, his, 20 year history of Chicago. Yeah. Holy crap. All right. 
Imagine well, doing that. Imagine being in a musical for what are we going on now? Like 20, 25 years. Yeah. Imagine doing that. That is insane. You'd have, you know, I think about um, what was the guy that, that did Fiddler on the Roof? Top. Uh, um, top. Tevio? Te, 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 no, that's, no, the, the, that's actual the actual actor. Yeah. Top, um, Toppy? To, Topol. Topol. Yeah. And someone asked him, because he played Tevio forever, mm, um, mm. asked him what, how do you keep it fresh? And he said, I never get it right. Um, (laughs) how many different ways do you think you could do it like to convince yourself oh I could do that better like (laughs) hey with that attitude I could be a Broadway star (laughs) I'd go insane (laughs) that's incredible good yeah well done props Ros Ryan bow down Ros Ryan the Mama Morton got a little motto always sees me through when you're good to mama, mama's good to you. And then we move on to the final part, the gospel truth part three. But Zeus and Hera wept Because their son could never come home They'd have to watch their precious baby grow up from This feels very Aretha Franklin-esque. Yeah, yeah. It's got like that cool sort of almost like country style guitaring. Yeah, country um, gospel kind of blend. Yeah, it's 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 really, really, really good. My only complaint with it is that it's, and it's again what we were saying earlier, is that the song just kind of sort of peters out and it feels like it should have this huge ending, mm. but it doesn't really end. It's just sort of like... Like like fades out into nothing. Yeah, I guess that in that way, like it sort of beautifully segues into the next scene. Yeah, um, abs- yeah, it does. Yeah, but if we think about something like um, uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, which we've just done, where the Bells of Notre Dame has like this incredible build into mm. this like in- like insane final chord. Um, yeah, like I, I guess that's just what I was sort of chasing and because yeah. it didn't do that, it just sort of made me, just let me feeling a little bit like, oh, okay. I, I feel like it's just not big enough to be the third one. It almost feels like the second and third one should have swapped. Yeah, So you yeah, just yeah, get yeah. the like, yes, yeah. version yeah. at the end, whereas this is more traditional gospel. It's mm. cleaner. Um, it doesn't have that like gritty, dirty vocal yeah. that Ros Ryan had in the other one, which you know she's singing about Hades. Yeah. So you know that I guess that musically makes sense. But yeah, there's something about them being in this order that makes the third one, after hearing the second one, feel quite underwhelming. Yeah, and I don't want to like shit on it too much because I think it's still an incredible song and I think she sings it incredibly. Mm. Um, there's just a couple of little things where I'm like that could have been slightly better because it's the last one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's Lilius White, by the way, leading the third one. Right, yep. Um, who, funnily enough, was also in Anastasia. <laughs> just in the um, ensemble voicing, but I just like that she was in the two big animated movies that year. <laughs> yeah, just dipping toes in both pools. 
<laughs> what did you give it? Yeah, I gave this uh, a four for music and a five for lyrics. Because um, I can't fault the lyrics. It's just that one thing about the music that really sort of just, yeah, left me a little bit underwhelmed. Um, I gave it a four for animation, a three for contribution, and a three for cake. Right. I gave it three for music, lyrics, and animation, a four for contribution, and a one for cake. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. I, I think lyrically I get, you know, it's telling the story. I just don't think they're particularly clever or anything. It's no, just, that's fair. Yeah. I don't even I don't even think they rhyme. I think it's just literally the story to music. So yeah. I, I was like, meh. Like nope. Yeah. Fair. Serves purpose, but yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Then we just jump straight into the the big song, the big well, one of the big songs of it, but probably the most well-known song, the Michael Bolton banger. But not in the Michael Bolton way. Not in the Michael is, Bolton way. Go the distance. I have often dreamed of a far-off place where a great warm welcome will be waiting for me, where the crowds will cheer when they see my face and the voice keeps saying, this is where I'm meant to be I will find my way I can go the distance I'll be there someday If I can be strong I know every mile Will be worth my while I would go most anywhere To feel like I Um, it's interesting because I didn't know that it was Roger Bart before we started this episode, but having but now that I know that, can definitely hear that it's him. Um, mm. I was very big into "You're a Good Man," Charlie Brown when I was younger, and he plays Snoopy on the on the cast recording for that. The won revival the Tony cast. Award. Won the Tony Award, um, and so that that ver that voice is in my head a lot and yeah hearing it there it is interesting because it's a very like in that he plays a very sort of characterized version of his own voice i guess uh, mm. but in this it's a lot cleaner and nice it's it's quite nice i think he sings it beautifully um, yeah yeah i i know roger bart uh, from the producers yeah of course so roger bart was the original carmen guia mm -hmm. who and he's Hilarious mm. in that, absolutely and hilarious. Revi uh, re revised it for the movie, I believe. He did, and uh, he also ended up on Broadway taking over the role of Leo Bloom from Disney alumni Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pause because I couldn't remember it. Sounded like I was waiting for you to say it with me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he went on to play Leo for quite a while after Matt left. Um, he also. Uh, earned a Tommy to, a Tommy nomination. He also earned a Tommy. Oh my god! <laughs> Is that where like the mafia guns him down in the street with a Tommy gun? And says ha ha. <laughs> he also earned a Tony nomination for the role of Carmen Gale, but he didn't win. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, talented dude. Very very talented voice. Talented. Really singer. talented. Look, before I watched this movie, because it's been a little while. I was thinking of, you know, what would be the flat five number in this film? Mm. And I thought, oh, go the distance is probably one. Yeah. But then when I heard it, I think it's because I am so obsessed with the Michael Bolton recording. Yeah. Which sounds like this. Like a star. 
So when I hear the original version by Roger Bart, I am on my way. I can go the distance. I was like, well, this is underwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> it is it is a little bit underwhelming. I was expecting another out there and it's just not. Yeah. It's really not. It's um it, I think because there's that story, the choice in the story to send him to Zeus's temple and he has that conversation with Zeus in the middle of the song. And, and when you're just sort of like just listening to the song, it just feels like a really sort of long pause between two verses that don't, and there's no seem to, there's no sort of like connection or reason as to why that might be. Does that sort of make yeah. sense? Yeah. And I also didn't like that he starts singing it and then it montages whilst he's singing it. So like, it jumps from he's on the cliff yeah. to he's with his parents and then he's still singing, but, like, clearly days have passed, but he's still singing the same. So I, I don't know. It just didn't work for me visually. Um, yeah, and then having that big chat with Zeus yeah. before he does the reprise and finally kind of has a good ending on it. Um, yeah, I mean, the reprise kind of lifts it a bit, but it doesn't get to the point where I'm like, that's an out there level. I want no. some. No, it's not. It's not. Um, hmm. So I, I agree with you. I came into it thinking this would be flat fives and it's just not. But what did you give it? I gave it three and a half for music. Yep. Mostly because I just find the vocal really underwhelming on it. Yep. Four for lyrics because I still think it's it's quite well written lyrically. Yep. Animation three, contribution three, and cake 3.5. I just don't know if this contributes heaps in the ways of what does he want? Yeah. No, no, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> is it about running? And that's I can go the distance and that's running? <laughs> kind of what I was trying to say as well with like the disconnection almost with that really long pause in the middle. Like he's mm. singing pretty much the exact same thing at the start of the song than he is at the end of the song. So this conversation he's had with Zeus doesn't impact on his desires at all. Yeah. Like he's just. No. Yeah. He's still trying to find where he belongs. Yeah. Um, which then has nothing to do with the end of the movie, yeah. which is about human sacrifice. Yeah, uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. What uh, did you give this song? I, our scores are pretty much the same. So I gave it a four for music and a four for lyrics, mm -hmm. a three for animation, a three for contribution, and a four for cake. Just how underwhelming compared to thinking, oh, that's that's a flat five. Yeah, like, I think what really works for me in this uh, in this song is the horns at the start. Like they really mm. – and like the, the, the intro to the song um, is quite long, If you again, if you're just listening to it, but it's quite pretty as well. Like the horns are really nice. There's like the, the – there's like like um, sp what are they called? Like sparkly – like Chimes? Yeah, chimes. There, those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, yes. <laughs> so that's – it's very pretty. Um, yeah. But it, I don't think it should be pretty. I think it should be – you know? Well, it just needs to get to just one more time. Michael Bolton. Yeah. It just doesn't get there. And that's where it needs to be. You know, there's an electric guitar in it, man. Yeah. An electric guitar. Also, Michael Bolton sings at three semitones up or something. It's like the. Oh, it's so big. It's so I huge. Don't care. 
can't fuck key change. It's yeah. so good. Mm. It's so good. That would be flat fives. Yeah, if that yeah. was the version of the film, it'd be flat fives and more fives <laughs> and throw a few more fives on top of it because Michael Bolton is just the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I get emotional thinking about how much I love it. <laughs> This brings us to Songs from the Cutting Room Floor. Songs from the Cutting Room, Songs from the Cutting Room, Songs from the Cutting Room, Song! So this wasn't the first version of the hero song from this movie. Uh, the original version was called Shooting Star. No one seems to think too much of me here. And they're glad to tell it to my face. And they're right, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm completely out of place. No, I actually quite like it. Um, I don't know why it was replaced. Uh, because it's a bit Heaven's Light. <laughs> actually, yes, it is a little bit Heaven's Light now that you've said that. Yeah, the but, it, I mean, yeah, it, it sounds like they got a pretty long way through produ- producing a movie with that um, mm. that that song because Roger Bart is singing it. He's the recording artist on that, so he he did the full record. Um, it's... It's a, it's a pretty song, but yeah, you're right. It is very Heaven's Line now that you've said that. Yeah, I really liked the start and then when it got to the chorus and I see a shooting star, I was like, Heaven's Line. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like if it had a better chorus, yeah. that would have been a really beautiful song. Yeah. So that is the only cut song from this movie that I can tell, uh, Shooting Star. There you go. Now, speaking of songs that definitely aren't flat fives, let's get into One Last Hope. Okay! Oh, oh, you win. Oh, God. Baby. I'd given up hope that someone would come along. A fella who'd ring the bell for once, not the gong. The kind who wins trophies, won't settle for low fees. At least semi-pro fees, but no! Get the green horn. <sighs> this is so Broadway. Y- like you it can is. imagine. Yes. Five, six, seven, eight. Tap, da, 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 time. Step, and Like it's, yeah. it's heading there. And in, <laughs> in that context, it might be a lot more enjoyable because, yeah, maybe you would have like some fun ensemble shit happening, you know, like, mm. uh, uh, and, that, and that sort of thing. But it's just, it's so bland in the movie and its placement yeah. in the movie is so bland. It's so bland because we've just had all this kick-ass gospel music, yeah. style music. Yeah. And then we go into like typical one-two Broadway. Yeah. 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 So like, again, I don't want to shit on it too much because it's not horrible. It's not a bad song. It's just, nah, It just doesn't it. fit it. No. So uh, look, I gave it a three for music and lyrics. 
uh, I gave it a two for animation, a one for contribution, and a zero for cake. Yeah. Okay. That's definitely your least favorite song in the show. Yeah. Uh, what did I give it? I gave it a three for music and lyrics, same as you. I gave it a two and a half for animation. Yeah. Because I thought some of the stuff they animated in that training was cool. Mm. Um, it was basically a Hakuna Matata sequence. You know, he's suddenly years older. Yeah. And it's completely different yeah. by the end of this song. Um, he's suddenly swole. Yeah. Two for contribution, zero for cake. Mm. Um, something I, I wanted to mention, uh, and I, I missed it in Go the Distance, but I'll, I'll bring this up now, is some of the casting uh, things that we had. Yep. So for starters, the voice of Hercules, mm. one of the people they auditioned was Donny Osmond. Um, that makes sense. Who, uh, you know, will go on to sing one of the biggest bangers of all time in the next film we're reviewing, Mulan. He does too, yeah. He also is quite famous for being the original Joseph in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yeah. My least favourite musical of all time. Uh, I know I'll get a lot of hate for that. We'll unpack that at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But they said his voice was too deep, which is why he didn't get the role. Interesting. Okay. But, yeah, they obviously kept him in their back pocket and said, we're not going to give you Hercules, but, hey, we're doing this other film. Hey, you want to play a Chinese person? You want to play a, you want to play a Chinese person? <laughs> um, so- <laughs> Um, oh, fuck it out. Oh, oh my God. The whitest know, man we've in come Hollywood. So far, but we've got so far to go. Oh. Okay. Uh, with Danny DeVito. So they wrote this role with Danny DeVito in mind. Yeah. Yeah. They sent him an invitation to audition and he said no. Okay. So then they auditioned a bunch of actors and apparently they auditioned one guy who nearly got it and then said, you're eventually going to just hire DeVito anyway, so I'm leaving. <laughs> and then they rang DeVito and said, we'll just give you the part. Just take it. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. don't have to audition. Just take the part. Yeah. <laughs> Which links really nicely into the Hades casting story. Yeah, okay. So they had a lot of trouble hiring, uh, finding someone to voice Hades. Yeah. And they got Danny DeVito on board and said, who do you think? And he said, you should get Jack Nicholson because they were friends. Mm. And they said, all right. They said, hey, Jack, we would like you to play Hades in our Disney film, Hercules. He said, great. I'll do it for $15 million and 50% of your merchandise sales. Oh, oh, oh Jackie boy. And I, they said, nah. In fact, <laughs> I, I don't think he quite said it like that. He would have said it like, yeah, I'll do it for $50 million. <laughs> Yeah, nah. Which apparently is very close to the deal he got for Batman. Yeah, right. Okay. So, yeah. and that that merchandising oh, that would have been deal, insane. if you can score that yep. with what you know is going to be a huge franchise like Batman or yep. Hercules, you would be set for life. Absolutely. And so they said, nope, too expensive. I believe they made a counter offer that was still way below that and he said no. So he was out of the picture. Yeah. They then gave the role to John Lithgow. Interesting choice. Um, mm. I don't hate it. Very different. So we'd know John Lithgow most famously from 30, not 30 Rock. Um, third Rock from the Sun. Third yeah. Rock from the Sun, yeah. Later years, probably Dexter, if uh, if you've yeah. ever watched Dexter. He was quite a prolific bad guy in that. Um, yeah. Yeah, so he did nine months of recording on this oh, movie. Oh, shit. Yeah, so after doing all that, they decided it just wasn't working. It just wasn't giving Hades any sort of, Zip. Yeah. And so then they auditioned a whole bunch of people, including Ron Silver, James Coburn, Kevin Spacey, and Phil Harmon. Shit. And 
Terence Mann, who um, Terence Mann was the original Beast in the Broadway uh, iteration of Beauty and the Beast, right. and he played opposite Susan Egan. Yep, yep. On Broadway, uh, but he didn't get it, and Rod Steiger auditioned as well. Yeah. Eventually, even the producer Rob Evans auditioned, <laughs> and then Jerry Lewis. So they went through Fuck. a whole swag of very, very famous actors. Yeah. And none of them, none of them brought it to life, and they didn't really know what they wanted. They just knew it wasn't whatever these guys were doing. Yeah. Eventually, they get James Woods into the studio. And he sort of goes for a used cars salesman kind of vibe. Yeah. And it's perfection. And they end up rewriting a lot of the Hades stuff around his interpretation. Right. Okay. And he is now arguably one of the best Disney villains they ever had. Yeah, I, I agree. He has like, where is he at in his career at this point? So we're in 97. Yeah, he's done some like... It's a it's a weird choice because he's done some very adult movies. Like he's done um, uh, the Hard Way, which is something um, I've seen him in, but I don't think a lot of people have seen that movie. Uh, he's done Casino, Nixon. He's got Contact coming out that year. Um, Chaplin, yeah. Like it's not it, you don't think a kids movie and then it automatically think of James Woods. No, and actually prior to this. He was offered the lead role in Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs. Right. But his, his agent rejected it. Oof. And so James Woods didn't even know about it. And once he found out, he fired his agent. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's a bad move. <laughs> it wasn't an audition. It was an offer. Yeah. Just come and play the lead role. He, mm. he appears in a lot of Disney stuff, especially around like Halloween. Although this movie kind of doesn't have the longevity that – its predecessors like Aladdin and Lion King and Beauty and the Beast have, yeah. that single character seems mm. to still have quite a presence um, in a lot of Disney stuff, especially in the theme parks and when Halloween comes around, um, you see a lot of Hades. Yeah. It is a really unique and interesting villain. Um, the the used car thing really, really shines through. I, I think it works so well for it. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, that's my little sidebar about the – the casting. Yeah, nice. Nice sidebar. Then we get to the next sort of Muse song, which is Zero to Hero. It's such a good song. <laughs> such a banger. There's, and it's like, check out our five letters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is like, it's almost like uh, Menken was awake to write these songs and then was sort of like writing the other ones when he was like half asleep, you know, after pulling it all night and working on something like Zero to Hero. He's like, oh, fuck, i got to finish that. Go the distance. Hang on, here we go. Uh, yeah, uh, some horns and shit. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just all the things. Yeah. Put in all the things. Yeah, it's it's so good. It's a good song. Yeah. Flat fives? Flat fives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just 
preceding that, there's just that awkward eye contact yeah, yeah, yeah. through the yeah. screen. Like, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. <laughs> it's almost like a game of chicken. It's like, ah, are you going to go yeah. first? Ah. <laughs> um, yeah, it hits everything. Um, it, it's great. It's a great song. It, it really is. There, there's so much. The lyrics in this are so clever. Yeah, the, David Zippel is on fire They put his in this face song. on every vase, on every vase. And this perfect package packed a pair of perfect pets. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Love me some alliteration. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It is a bit of a, like the whole, whole scenario is bullcrap mm. um, because he didn't make any money. Mm. It was a really hard slog. For Heracles, mm. um, who put the glad in gladiator? Heracles. <laughs> did I just call him Heracles before? Heracles. You did. You did. Um, I kind of like it as a as a fun little bit. Heracles, oh Heracles! Oh, surely someone has gone and re remixed. It's almost like you're saying uh, you're going to say like he's got hairy testicles, but it's like he's got Heracles. Hairy. Hairy testicles, hairy testicles. But he would not. He would absolutely wax his nuts. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's no nouveau riche. He's nouveau riche. Get someone to wax yeah, his. Yeah. It's Phil. Phil's waxing <laughs> his nuts for him. <laughs> that would be the worst job. <laughs> In this song, you see the twelve trials. Inverted commas. Yeah, yeah. You you see him do a lot of stuff. Mm. Uh. Basically, I think you see all of the tr- nearly all of the trials, but you also see a lot of stuff that was done by yeah other other Greek yeah, people. Yeah, this is awesome. I feel like Lilius White just crushes this this song from that opening mm. wail, and then she does all the like improv. Uh, a lot of the improv at the end, they're all kind of going for it, but she's kind of the the leader there. Mm. Oh my goodness, this is just such a bop. Always such a disaster when you get a group of people together and you go, oh, let's all sing Zero to Hero and you realise everyone only knows like the big yeah. bits. Yeah, you got five people riffing. Such a mess. I think one of the one of the greatest Disney songs there is. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. But, and then we get to uh, the other probably most famous song in the movie, question mark, um, is I Won't Say. That's ancient history, been there, done that. Susan Egan is great mm. in this song. Mm. Yeah. She just manages to take quite a basic song and give it so much character. I also love, love, love the animation in this. I think the way they integrate the muses mm. into this song instead of just appearing and shoop doing in the background, the way they're the statues and they keep kind of making these cool transformations and stuff. I think it's Brilliant. Yeah, it is. It's great. It's great. It really reminds me of something, but I cannot pick what it is. It feels like it reminds me of a song from something like Greece or something. It's in his kiss. That's what yeah. That's sorry. That's it. That's what it is. Yeah. Is it in his eyes? Oh no, you'll make believe if you want to know. 
very much yeah. based on that yeah. song. But it's just it's so good. It's such a fun little uh, little uh, like love interest song. It's 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 lovely. It's lovely. It all. I like it because it kind of throw. It, it's kind of like an anti love song mm. when you think about any time that a female protagonist has sung about love to this point, mm. it's always been, I want love, I need love, I miss love, you know, someday my prince will come, I'm wishing for the one I yeah. love. A dream is a wish your heart makes, mm. a whole new world. Um, and then you get this one and there's literally a line that says, it's too cliche, yeah. I won't yeah. say I'm in love. This is quite woke. Yeah, yeah. But, you know. She still ends up boning him, so. She still ends up boning him, but that's not the point. <laughs> the point is she started not wanting no, to No, that's it, him. that's it. Um, <laughs> I quite like the song. I didn't give it flat fives, um, but I could, s- like I did give it fives for both music and lyrics because I think it is a really, really nicely well-written song. Um, mm-hmm. I gave it a four for animation and contribution and then a five for cake. Yeah, right. I gave it a four for everything except animation. I gave it five. Okay. I just think it's it's brilliant yeah. for a, such a simple, simple song. Yeah. The way that they've managed to animate this in a way that makes it kind of funny and cute. Mm. Brilliant. Yeah. I love it. So uh, Hercules was transformed into a stage musical. Mm-hmm. It hasn't gone to Broadway, but it played in the um, open air theatre, I think. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. I know they did like a translation for their cruises as well, which only runs for an hour, I think. But um, yeah, I know they did that as well. So uh, yeah, it was performed at the Delacorte Theatre in Central Park. Mm-hmm. And it starred Krista Rodriguez as Meg, who I'm a huge fan of. She's a Broadway star. If you watch Smash, she was also in Smash. Uh, she's the original girl in First Date. She's also the original Wednesday Adams in the Adams Family. Oh, musical. okay, right, yeah. But interestingly, Roger Bart was in it as Hades. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. James James Monroe Inglehart's playing Phil. I I love the yes. shit out of that casting. Yeah, so he was uh, the genie in the Aladdin mm. musical yeah. version. He's brilliant. He so, yeah, there's some, um, and I think he actually played, he was in Hamilton for a bit as well. Yes, he uh, was, yes. Fact-checking, fact-checking. Yeah, he was Thomas Jefferson, yeah. Lafayette. Yeah. He was Lafayette. So um, obviously not the original, mm. but um, a replacement. Uh, really, really exciting stuff. So a lot of people say this should this should transfer. Uh, it has has been translated and I believe it's still being workshopped to take it to the paper mill, which is really exciting. But, yeah, Krista Rodriguez played Meg and she sings the crap out of this and I love her lots. Now we get to the last song in the movie. Everything happens, Hercules saves uh, Meg, goes to be a god, and then we get A Star Is Born. There's a hero who can please the crowd. A It's fun. It's a fun song. I remember when I was about 17, I discovered some really great gospel recordings yep. and I was I just became obsessed. 
And I remember scouring the internet just looking for like gospel music that was really rich. I kind of like the gospel truth too kind of stuff. Yeah. stuff. Anyway, most of the stuff I found was like this song. Just really cheesy kind of clap on the two and four. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's short and then we key change and we do it again. And, yeah, this just this style of music isn't my jam. Not to mention it plays a really small role in the film. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. It's um a nice sort of bow on the ending. There's something about it that did frustrate me a little bit. I think it's only just because, like, there was just a, and it's not the song's fault. There's just a moment in this end bit. You know how Phil gives this whole thing about how like I had dreamed that the the gods had put the stars in the sky, and someone would say that's Phil's boy, and then that happens at yeah. the end. I was just like, oh god, it just. Not to mention that he goes through a whole bunch of people he trained, and I can't remember which one, but one of them already had stars in the sky. Yeah, so right. Like, that's that's already happened. What's happening? Dudes? Um- come on, come on. <laughs> that's Phil's boy. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think it's a nice sort of end end song. Um, so I gave it a four for music and a five for lyrics. Oh, my God. Uh, a five for <laughs> animation. I don't mean to judge. Wow. <laughs> I'm used to it, Staggers. I'm used to this judgmental environment that I work in. Um, uh, five for animation, three for contribution, and three for cake. Yeah, mm. right. Okay, I gave this a three for music and lyrics. I was like, eh, it's okay, I guess. Um, two for animation because you barely see. You gave it a five for animation. Yeah. It goes yeah. In, like, it's, it's sort of the ending of it. There, there is, like, fun stuff happening. There is the stars in the sky and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, right. Mm. I gave it two because I was like 90% of this song is credits. Well, I guess I just uh, looked at the earlier part. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Three for contribution, two for cake. Two for cake? I'm going to give it a one for cake Uh, because even now all I can sing it is, sound from the mountain, a star star is born. born. Something, 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 a star is born. Then we're just going to do that again in a different (laughs) way. Yeah, I, I just found this really underwhelming. It's hard when you have stuff like, the gospel truth and zero to hero that just set such a high bar yeah, yeah, yeah. that when I put things next to them and go, you know, m- musically, do they, do they hold up to that level of like impact for me? Um, a lot of these paled in comparison aside from um, the gospel truth to musically. Cause I was like, mm, yeah, that gets into my soul. But um yeah, A Star is Born, One Last Hope, Go the Distance. They were, they all felt, Gospel Truth 3, they all felt really quite, quite naff to yep. me. But amongst that, there are some absolute gems. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's all the songs. That brings us to the end. Um, and while you, uh, although I think we know what songs won, um, while we tell you the <laughs> scores, it's time for. Angie's Anecdotes. Um, so Angie and I actually watched this movie separately, uh, just cause there's a bunch of stuff happening in our life at the moment. We couldn't sit down together and watch it. Um, or we did, sorry, we did sit down together to watch it and she fell asleep immediately and, uh, sat through <laughs> it. So, uh, slept through it. So I, um, she watched it, uh, at another point in time and I just get a text message from her at some God awful time of the night where I was fast asleep and it says, Uh, It says this, look at Hercules. 
He has, he's acting like he thinks he's Jesus or something. Although he came first, so I guess he's the original Jesus, question mark. <laughs> hey, Jesus, well, we've hit a very interesting uh, point in our scorecard. Oh, have we? Have we now? We, we officially have 10 songs that have scored flat fives oh, from both no. of us. We have set an impossible task for ourselves, Stackers. What are we going to do? <laughs> do you think you can name them? Oh, fuck. Okay, the first one. I'll give you a yeah. hint. One of them is Zero to Hero. Yeah, one of them Go is on. Zero to Hero. So congratulations, Zero to Hero, on being the top <laughs> song. Uh, the first time we gave both flat fives was in The Little Mermaid, and it was Poor Unfortunate Souls, I believe. Yep. Was there another one from that? I think there was. I think it was maybe Part of Your World? No. no. Okay, not Part of Your World. Uh no, you were quite harsh on that song. Okay, yeah, that's, that makes sense. That tracks, that tracks. <laughs> All right, I'll come back to that. Then we had Beauty and the Beast, which had Beauty and the Beast, I think, had flat fives. And yeah. to be it for that song, for that moon, um, Aladdin had Friend Like Me, I think, had flat fives. No. no. Oh. Prince Ali? Nope. No. No, nah, I can't name the rest of them. The Little Mermaid had Poor Unfortunate Souls and Under the Sea. Oh, of course it was Under the Sea. Jesus. The Lion King yeah. had Circle of Life. Yeah. Pocahontas, the Colours of the Wind. Yep. Hunchback of Notre Dame had three. Oh, jeez. We liked Hunchback of Notre Dame, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> yeah. So we had The Bells of Notre Dame, Out There and Hellfire. Yep, yep. Hercules had Zero to Hero. Beauty and the Beast had Beauty and the Beast and Be Our Guest. Oh, of course it did. Of course yeah, it did. It's obvious when you say it. Yeah. So the ones that just missed out so far were Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast got 49.5. Right, yep. We have four songs on 49, which were just around the riverbend, the reprise of Belle, Friend Like Me, and One Jump Ahead. Right, okay. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, so 10 in the top 10 now. <laughs> and our lowest ranked song, just out of interest, let me skip all the zeros because oh, we, <laughs> we haven't done those songs yet, is the, the very forgettable Peace on Earth from Lady and the Tramp. I do not even remember a, how that goes. I don't. A total score of six. Oh, fuck. <laughs> you know what? It was dark times before we got to these more modern movies. What a time. What a time. But look, as we as we said, Zero to Hero is the winner for this episode. That is it, Stackers. That's it for this episode. That is it for this episode. And that was that was quite a fun one. It was. I had fun learning about all the Greek mythology and then watching you try and pronounce all of the names <laughs> I wrote into that. <laughs> Maybe that could be a Patreon episode. Is I'll, I'll just read <laughs> Stephen Fry's mythos and in, get all the names incorrect. I want to read that. That sounds fantastic. It is. And he did a, he did a follow-up called Heroes, I think, which is like, so Mythos is all about the gods and Heroes is all about like Jason and the Argonauts and Hercules and all that sort of stuff. So um, mm. yeah, yeah. Really, really worth a read, I think. 
Yeah, great. Mm. All right. Well, stick around because in two weeks' time we will release our 28th, I think. 28th episode, which will be 1998's Mulan. Very, very interesting. And, and guys, as as I said in the ad read, head over to patreon.com slash dissectingdisney for some bonus episodes. We will hopefully have something coming out soon. Mm-hmm. All right. Until next time, I'm Stackers. And I'm Will. Bye. Bye. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day... The internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply.